If you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. Um, I know it's not Philippians. You're like, wait, Pastor, I thought we were going through Philippians. You said every Sunday we're going to go verse by verse. Yeah, but we're going to take a break from, for just this one week. This one week we're going to take a break from, from Philippians. We're going to cast some vision. Every once in a while, I like to kind of cast vision off here in this church and kind of let everyone know what the purpose of the church is. What are we doing as a church? What is the, the main mission of the church here at Impact City Church? So if you don't have your Bibles, you can look them up on the screen behind me. The scripture will be there uh, under your seat. There might be a Bible there. I'm not too sure if I've, if I've put them back there yet. From the last time we moved the chairs. But the best place is on Facebook. Go on Facebook. The scripture today has been posted there already. You can log in there. Uh, go on the Facebook page from Impact City Church and check in while you're there and let someone know you're here at Impact City Church. So like I said, casting vision is something that, that us as pastors do from time to time. It's something that we all should do. If you're a family member, if you're, if you're a father or mother, you want to cast vision of your family to your kids. If you're the owner or CEO of a company, you want to cast the vision of your company to your employees. And if you're the pastor, you want to cast that vision every once in a while to your church members. Now, a pushback on that is that the vision should be in every message and everything that we do, every activity, the mission of Impact City Church should be very clear. But every once in a while, it's kind of good to highlight that. That's what we're going to do here today. We're going we're gonna to kind of cast vision. Ultimately, our common goal is to be the body of Christ and to see God glorified and Christ glorified in every area of our city, of our world, of our nation, everywhere. That's the common goal, but there are different ways that churches do that. For instance, some churches might be really big on outreaches, and that's kind of their, their forte. That's kind of what they do, and all they want to do is outreach, 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 outreach. And there's other churches that all they want to do is Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. And other churches are like, no, all we're going to do is we're just going to evangelize, and we're going to do social media. And there's other churches like, we're just going to pray that the pastor writes a good book, and that and that, that does enough for us. Now, we're going we're gonna to just do that. But here in this church— we are different than any other church. And, and, and there's other churches in the nation that are kind of like Impact City Church. But I feel it's important for us to have a clear understanding of why we do what we do and the way we do it. Because if you ask anyone here, we are not a traditional Baptist church. We're not, by no means. But we are not a so far left church that we're like, is Jesus even in this building? Like, that's not us either. We are a church that wants to not, we don't want to redefine church. We want to define it back to the way that God originally defined it. Let me say that again because I screwed it up. Yeah, that's why we do something different here, right? We don't want to be a church that redefines church. We want to refine it back to the way that the Lord originally defined it. So we're going back away. It's something old, it's something radical, but it's something new and something different at the same time. So let's go ahead and just jump ahead and uh, just get right into the thick of it here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 is where we'll start. You guys there? Let me know when you guys are there. There. Good for you. You get a gold star. I know some of you wanted that gold star really bad. You should have jumped on that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says here, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression... You who are spiritual to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear in one another's burdens so as to so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in 
in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows into his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows into the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Church, side note, do not give up on doing good here. We cannot give up. The church has come so far in the past few months, in the past few years, and there is a lot more harder road ahead of us as a church family, as a church community. You cannot give up. To give up would be a great, great loss. Verse 10, to finish it up, says, So then, we have an opportunity. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This week, I want to talk to you all about community and impact to the church. And what does community really mean? Uh, like, why are you talking about community again? You always talk about this word community. I haven't heard the word community in church in like forever as much as you talk about it. Well, community is such an intricate part of what we do here at Impact City Church. If we don't have community as a church, we don't have a church. We simply have a building where people come and they go through the motions of playing music, singing songs, yelling at you from the stage, and then going home. That's not church. This is church. Community is church. I want to share with you through this text what exactly community looks like here at Impact City. What are the things that we do that we actually understand that we are actually doing community? How do we know we're doing community here at Impact City Church? Listen, if we're going to be, if we're going to be a church as soon as even a year from now, we have got to understand what community is and how God desires us to live it out. Because if not, you will go through the motions, like I said before. And a year from now, you probably will just stray off to some other church because you did not feel connected and you did not feel community. And ultimately, that's on all of us. So we have to know what community is. We have to know what it's like to be a real church, not a church that's about numbers, but a church that's about family. But first, a little background here on the church in Galatia. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And had been, the church there had been kind of straying away from the truth for a while. There were a church that started off really good. And they're on fire for Jesus and they're pounding away. They're doing their outreaches. They're doing their small groups. They're doing all of that good stuff. And then somewhere along the line, the church got a little big-headed probably. And they started straying away. And they started getting leaders that were coming and they would preach false doctrine. They had people who were going and listening to other leaders of the church church that wasn't really focused on God, but more focused on themselves, and they started growing apart from what God wanted them. They were straying away from the truth of the gospel. They had been infiltrated by false teachers among the, the people of the church. And you know who I'm talking about. Those are the people that, that they come into your church, and they want to just talk, talk, talk a lot of scripture. They want to talk, talk, talk a lot about God in this, but they don't do jack squat when it comes to actually living out the gospel. That's what's going on here. Those are the people that are coming in, and they're kind of swaying people away from the actual truth of Jesus Christ's gospel. As a result, many Christians were going back to their old ways of finding justification in the false teachings of back old scriptures and back old things that weren't really of God. They were going back. 
And so this letter is actually an open rebuke to the church in Galatia. It's saying, no, you guys need to do it like this. You got it all wrong. You've messed up along the way. Stop now before it gets worse. This is what community looks like. This is what you're supposed to live like. This is what church really is. It's not about laws and traditions. It's not about those things. This is about your relationship with Jesus Christ and your relationship with your neighbor and how you love them. This is the gospel through community. And it's in this rebuke that we are called uh, to live out a church that is in community. This is how we know it. And so breaking it down, let's just start with this. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are. Number one, if you're taking this down, in God's community, there is accountability. In God's community, in God's church, in, in, in the church of God, there is accountability. Read with me again, verse one. It says, brothers, if anyone, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. A while back, a few summers back, we were uh, vacationing, coming back from Dallas, and we stopped in, the, I think it was Georgetown, and we went to um, these caverns, these caves back there. And we took the tour, and it was like exciting. I hadn't been inside a cave in a while. Um, and so we went down to the caves, and the, uh, the little smart aleck uh, uh, tour guide decided to shut off all the lights in the cave. All right? And he said that this is one of the few places on earth that you will find pure darkness. Like pure darkness. No light portraying whatsoever. And he shut all the lights off. And I literally could not see my face. I mean, my hand in front of my face. I couldn't see my kids. I couldn't see Sarah. I couldn't see anyone up in front of me. And it was okay for like the first two, three seconds. And after a while, you start thinking. And you're alone with your thoughts. And it was like crazy. And then he shined the lights back on. And you could see the path that we're on. You could see the, uh, the stalactites and stalagmites and all those things like that. You could see all that. That's exactly what accountability does for us. See, many times when we're walking through life and we're going through life, we will start to feel like we are in darkness. We will start to have, uh, like we're feeling like we're lost, like we can't find our way. And before we know it, we're in utter darkness and we don't know what direction to go in. And you can't think straight. You can't even process what's around you. Well, accountability from a friend is someone turning on the light switch in that cave for you. It's someone saying, like, this is the truth. This is the path. Look, let me light this up. Let me open your eyes to what's going on here. That is accountability. And that's what it's like here in the church. Accountability shines brightly into the darkness of our lives to show us the path back to where we need to be. Some might push back and say that that's calling out someone's sin, and that's not really biblical because the Bible says you should not judge you're wrong. You need to read your Bible. Um, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. That means that you got you to gotta get together. You got you to gotta hash it out. I used to always think that that was a, a, like, you know, when I thought about iron sharpens iron, I used to think about two guys sitting together and kind of having a nice conversation around a cup of coffee. And Sarah's like, no, 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 like iron sharpen iron is, it, it's, it's a really intense thing. I heard one pastor tell me, when you sharpen iron, you, you create sparks. And yeah, you know, some of the best accountability I've had has been face-to-face with people who are yelling at me, telling me how dumb I am for what I just did. That's accountability. Iron sharpens iron will always create sparks between two people because you are calling someone's sin out and that is bad and they get upset about it. But you need that. 
You need that friend that doesn't want to just tell you yes. You need that friend that says, you have done screwed up, bro, and you need to get back on track. I love you. We're going to work this out together. You need to find that type of accountability partner. You need a, a girl, a woman, an older woman who say, sister, sister, let me tell you, that is wrong. What you're doing with that guy is not right. You need to get back on track. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Build each other up. Don't let your words be words that tear people down, but lift them up. Even if they are terrible and cajon like, no, I'm joking. You know, even if they are terrible at something, I'm just playing with you, you're doing great. Um, you know, encourage them. Build them up. Lift people up. That's accountability. You're, you're there with each other. You're building up the body of Christ. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Are you coming together? Are you with someone in your life that has that, that intimate knowledge with you that you cannot hide anything from that person? Listen, 99% truthful is 100% lying. If you're holding anything back from anyone, you're in darkness. We have got to be 100% accountable, no matter what the consequences are with someone. I heard someone say, well, if I'm 100% accountable with someone, I'm not going to want to like, like do bad things. How am I going to get away with something? That's the point. You're not supposed to do those things. You're supposed to be accountable to someone. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're supposed to confess to each other and listen to each other and pray for each other and be able to say, hey, I know you've gone through that. I forgive you because I am just as sinful as you at times. And if my Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive you. He can restore this family. He can restore this, this relationship you have with, with me or whatever it is. If you've heard me, we've had people who have just done, did, do us wrong up in the church. And I still love them. I still forgive them. Sometimes I can't stand to be around them, but I still love them. I still forgive them. That's what accountability looks like. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Don't wait to hold someone accountable. If you see something wrong, don't just say, I'm letting God handle that. And God's over here like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I want you to handle it so that I can handle it through you. Because that builds you up and that builds up the other person. We are called to hold each other accountable in the church. There are so many times that we have called out sin in love with people. And, it's, and it hurts sometimes. It's the hardest thing to do when you see sin in your church and to call it out. Then, and you know, what's even worse is when you're the one that's sinning and you have someone that calls you out. I've, I've been called out by so many other pastors. And like, man, bro, you're not doing this right. I've been called out by Sarah. Baby, you're not do, you need to stop that. That's not correct or right. That is accountability, though. It's an open relationship with your church that says, here I am. I'm 100% real. I'm not perfect, but God loves you. God loves me, and we're going to get through this together. We're called to hold each other accountable, but there's also a warning at the end of that text. It says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So we're all called to be accountable, but we are also all tempted by sin. And so before you go up to the bar to save your friend who's having a drinking problem, make sure that you don't stay at the bar and have a couple of brewskis with them. 
Before you start saying, hey, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you accountable to whatever, um, whatever the, if you're an um, accountability partner, on, on, like we do triplexchurch.com, it's, a, uh, it's an accountability software program that looks at every move you make on your cell phone, on your laptop, on your iPad. And before you say, I want to be your accountability partner, make sure that you're not addicted to that stuff too. Be very careful before you seek accountability that you're not the same person that's going to be needing that type of accountability in your life. Okay, look, Jesus ate with sinners, but he never sinned. Okay? And they call him a drunk and a glutton because he was around them that much. You don't get called a drunk or a glutton unless you're around drunks and gluttons a lot to where people think that you are a drunk and a glutton. But he was never a drunk or a glutton. But he just had that persona because he was always around that but if you're going to be willing to do that, be careful that you don't fall into the same sin as those people. You're there to be a light. You're there to be a rock. You're there to lead them back out, not to join them. Second thing, if you're writing this down, in God's community, we live for others. Let me rephrase that. In God's community, we live and die for others. In God's community, we live and die for others. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love, to bear in each other's burdens constantly. Here in Apex City Church, we will be a church that bears in each other's burdens. We will be a church that is praying for each other. Jessica has this prayer group that goes around and, and, and they get all the prayers and they send out the requests daily. We're not just going to be praying though. We're going to show up with, with meals. We're going to show up with uh, accountability. We're going to show up with, with love. If you need something in your home or something, you call the church. The church should care for that. That might look different for other people. I mean, other people might certain things or need other certain things. Certain burdens might be like clothing or food, you know, work, etc. I know uh, we had a lady just move back into her apartment. She's like, Pastor, I need, I need furniture. I'm like, oh, we'll get on Facebook. We'll send it out there. We'll get the word out there. You know, figure out what do we need. Pastor, I don't have a job. Can you help me find a job? Well, get on Facebook. Throw the word out there. Let everyone know, hey, who's hiring at your company? You know, who's hiring around? Do you know anyone who's, who's looking for a job? Others may require us to be praying for each other through the, the storms of life. Times like that, you know, it's not easy going through storms, but knowing that your church family is there for you and praying for you and has got your back just makes it all the more easier. Amen. I remember so many times when we, uh, when we, uh, we had issues with our kids. You know, we end up in the ER. We got boys. We're in the ER a lot. And uh, usually nine times out of ten, it's our church family that's there first. And, um, you know, that's not dissing my family. I love my family. He says, I love my I'm just saying, and she's part of our church family now, too. That's cool. I'm just saying everyone looks. That's, don't look at her. That's okay. She's, you're going to embarrass her. Um, I'm just saying that usually your church family is going to gather around you, and, and then they should faster than anyone else. They should be there. I mean, I mean, how many times we've heard of people in the hospital? How many times we've heard of people who have lost their fathers, lost their mothers, gone through some type of heartache, and what do we do as a church? We, we gather, and we organize, and we, we love, and we get in there. Can you imagine how upset you would be if you lost someone in your family, or if something happened to you, and no one from your church even contacted you? That is not family. That's not church. It's not community. But listen, there's another thing about that too. If we're going to care for you, we're going to care about each other's burdens, that's great, but we have to know about it. There's a scripture that says that, the, that if you're going to pray for the sick, if you're going to ask the elders to pray for the sick, you, someone's got to go tell the elders that you're sick. This is why we cannot 
isolate ourselves from church. You cannot isolate and pull back and say that, that we, want, we don't want anything to do with that. We don't want, I feel bad. I want to isolate myself. Look, when you isolate yourself from the church, you isolate yourself from the body of God, how can God and Jesus embrace you if you're away from the body? Does it make sense? Isolation is a start to depression. And I'm afraid that many of us here have fallen into that from time to time. When you know you're doing wrong and you isolate yourself from the church because you're ashamed of your sin. Or you know you've, you've messed up and you want to just be away from everyone because you're embarrassed about what's going on. That's not right. You're not being real. And how can we love and, and pray for you if you're not being open with us? This is what your missional city group is all about. This is why missional city groups are so important here in Impact City Church. This is why we're pushing missional city groups because it's not easy to be open and honest with everyone in this room, but it should be easy to be open and honest with two or three other couples and other families who you love and you spend a lot of time with and you've grown a relationship with. And you say, I am struggling. I got, I, I'm, I got, I'm sick. I got this or that. Your missional city group is the group that comes around you and cares for you. It's not just a place for us to come and hang out or it's not just a place that you go and plan outreaches. It's not just a place where you go and you learn scripture. No, these are the people who are the most important people in your life because they should be the closest to you to gather and talk and to share in each other's burdens. Missional city groups are what are all about. That's what it's all about there. Missional city groups are the backbone here at this church. Um, they've been with us since the start of the church. We started off as a missional city group. We grow into a bigger church. I'm, I'm glad to announce that this year we have about three or four options for you, different groups that you can join in. And I'm telling you, it's stupid easy to start a missional city group in your house. You literally just have to know how to open your front door, welcome people in, get to know them, and then be able to just love and pray on them. It is stupid easy to be on mission for God here in Corpus Christi. It's my desire that all of you are active in the missional city group. All of you. Even the ones that don't feel like you have time, you have time to be part of a missional city group. You have time to be open and honest with someone else in your life. Okay? Uh, There's a couple parts here of a missional city group. I'll just kind of break it down for you. One is a family gathering. Family gatherings, when we gather throughout the week, throughout the month, you know, maybe it's once a week, once every other week, where you gather together and you just kind of bring the family together, you're sharing a meal, you're sharing a time of study of scripture, you're gathered, you're talking about your burdens, and you're growing in that. Maybe you're going through a book or something, and you're going through that. That's about one or two times a month. And then there's another part of the group that's called life transformation groups. This is where if there's three families in a missional city group, maybe the three men of the group, the three fathers of the group gather together and they meet up throughout the week and they say, bro, I want to just go over all these things with you. I'm going to go over a few scriptures every week. We're going to pray for certain people uh, throughout the week and then we're going to ask each other these 10 questions in a life transformation group. And they're questions like, have you sinned this week? Have you been tempted by sin? Have you honored God with your money? Have you honored your wife and your kids? Have you honored your family well? And at the very end it says, have you lied to me? Yeah, that's the one that sucks because you can go through all of that and you can lie. And I've, I mean, I've been there. I've been talking to people that are like, lie, 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 lie. And this is everyone. Have you lied to me? And you see the oh, in their eyes, you know, right before that. And that's when it gets real. And that's when God starts to move. Because if you're honest and say, you know what? I have lied to you. I'm not doing well. I'm struggling. That's when God can move and when God can do great things in your life. 
you're open to honest. And then the third part of missional city groups are missions. What mission are you doing in Corpus Christi? We're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be sent by God to make disciples who make disciples. What are you doing? It doesn't have to be something big and extravagant like putting on an after-school program at, at this, whatever. It doesn't have to be like we're doing a food drive. Well, maybe it's just something small. Like, are you cutting someone's grass once a week because she can't do it because she's too old and she's a widow? And to save her 40 bucks on a yard service, can, can your group go do that for her? Maybe it's uh, you know, part of a group you say, I'm going to adopt a park. And I'm, as a group, our mission will say, we're going to adopt this park. And we're going to make sure this is the most beautiful park in the neighborhood. Because this park is usually ran by gangs and there's graffiti everywhere. We're going to adopt this park and we're going to just care for This is our park. Maybe as a missional seed group, you're going to say, like, we're going to gather and we're going to lead out into the community in different organizations. We have a group that's here in Impact City that they are involved in Cub Scouts. And that's their giving back to the community. They're giving back through Cub Scouts. So maybe you're a group that says, all of our kids go to this one school. No, but we're going to be a part of the PTA. We're going to be purposely positioning ourselves in the PTA meetings every month to be a presence in that school and to lead out in the community. Maybe you coach softball. Maybe you coach football. Whatever it is, you're doing something and you're a part of the group. That is what it means to be on mission. So if you're not part of a missional city group, it is never too late to get plugged in. There are so many things that, that you can do. That's my desire there. We are all part of some type of group here at Impact City Church. Number three. Um, that's two. This is three. Number three. You guys awake? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Number three. In God's community, we will be sure of our salvation. In God's community, in his church, we will be sure of our salvation. Verse three says, For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each of us, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. What Paul is saying is be sure that you are saved. And if you are not sure, then test yourself. Be sure that you are saved. If you're not sure, test yourself. How many guys have ever tested out your salvation? Like that's a scary thing because many of us probably won't even know if we'll pass. Like, I mean, you know, like just for real, like straight up, have you tested your salvation to make sure you really are saved? That could be a hard test for us. How do you do it? Paul gives us the answer here in chapter 5 later on uh, in, in the back. He says, if you, would just, um, if you would just flip to chapter 5 in your Bibles, you can flip back. Um, Joel, this is going to be chapter 5 of Galatians starting in verse 19. You go ahead and just read along with me here. Paul talks about how to test out your salvation. He gives us a, a checklist to go through, a, a yes or a no list to go through, kind of a litmus test, uh, uh, the final thing here. It says in Galatians 5.19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all of these are like this. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, that's, that's a scary scripture right there, amen? That is a really scary scripture, even as your pastor I'm going down that list, and I'm like, fits of anger? That's me, you know? (laughs) 
not drunkenness. You know, like, I'm there. You know what I mean? Strive, that's me. I'm striving all the time. But then look at the other side of that coin, though. Look at the other side. Look at verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have been crucified of the flesh with its passions and its desires. Here's the thing. We all must be constantly asking ourselves where we are in our lives. Are we, willing, are we living up to the works and desires of our flesh? Or are we living to the fruits of the Spirit? Where are you striving towards? Where are you going towards? If you live a life that is constantly full of these things, the strife, the jealousy, fits, angers, rivalry, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, all those things, if you're drunkenness, orgies, and all those great things, if you're living your life in the flesh and you're just pushing God away, are you even saved? But if you're living a life that is striving towards love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if you wake up in the morning and you say, I don't know, I just, I'm craving more self-control in my life. I can't hold back from the things I do. I, I, I'm constantly striving to, to be better. I'm constantly, I, I, I need to get away from this sin. And maybe, maybe God is doing a work in your heart. If you've quivered when you read through that first list, if you heard things like, Sexual morality, strive, fits of anger, drunkenness, and you quivered a little bit. And maybe you're not where you need to be. And maybe this is your wake-up call today. Maybe you just took that test right now. You, you know you failed that test. And you are more lean towards the flesh than you are salvation. You're more lean towards the feelings of the world and versus the embrace of God. You know your life is not reflecting the life of someone who has been saved and by the death and resurrection of our God's only son, Jesus Christ. Do me a favor today before you leave. You make that right. In God's community, there is so much love and forgiveness for that. We're fixing to send off Wayne and Tammy. They're fixing to go across the ocean to Africa, and they're fixing to, to share the gospel to, to those in Africa. But there are so many of us here that need to know the gospel even more. You need to know that even though you have messed up, and even though you might have messed up right before you walked through the door today, God still has forgiveness for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what position. I don't care if you're held of a higher authority or you think you're something better than everyone else. You are still sinfully equal to any of us if you're sinning in your life and you're still equally granted the grace of God that is needed in your life. Even me, even you. Make that decision today. Quit jacking around with God and just surrender to him. In God's community, there will be accountability. In God's community, we will live for others. We will be sure of our salvation. Number four, in God's community, we will sow into the Spirit and into others. We will sow into the Spirit and into others. Look at verse six. It says, let no one who has taught the word, sh- I said, let the one, sorry, that would have been a 
bad interpretation of scripture. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that he will also reap. For the one who sows into his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows into the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary. Amen to that. Praise God for that one. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so then we have an opportunity. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. In the community of God, there will always be, uh, we will always be sowing into the Spirit of God. The community of the church is always going to be sowing into the spirit and the goodness of God. Paul gives us examples of how someone who is sowing into the spirit, he is actually planting seeds. Saying if you plant seeds into the flesh, into the fleshly type grounds, you're going to grow up corruption. If you sow seeds into the the spirit and the good things, you're going to grow everlasting life. What are you planting your seeds into? What are you following? What in your life are you investing into? There are so many things that we can invest our time, our finances, our hearts, our spirits, our emotions into that will not bring us eternal life. And those are the things that will ultimately suck up all of our life and all of our seeds. But if we are willing to soak into and to sow into the things that will bring us eternal life, then we will reap a bountiful harvest of grace. He says simply, if you plant bad seeds, you're going to get bad results. It's simple. Plant good seeds, you're going to get good results. I know it sounds simple, but it's not, right? Because sowing seeds and bad seeds is easier than sowing good seeds. It's so much easier to sow a bad seed than it is to sow a good seed. Let me explain. Uh, a while back, we adopted a, a puppy, a demon uh, named Shadow. He's a, a, a lab slash ridgeback who uh, right off the bat decided that he knew how to open doors and uh, climb trees and jump over baby gates and decided that our, our, our kitchen floor was going to be his restroom. Congratulations, you've been in our kitchen, you've been in the dog's restroom when he was getting trained. Uh, he doesn't do it now, thankfully, because uh, that would just be bad. But while we were raising him, every time he would, you know, use the restroom in our kitchen, I would just like have to beat the crap out of the dog. And you're like, oh, pastor, you shouldn't do that. I know, I, I'm, I'm bad. Um, but it was building bad habits, and one of the dog trainers at, at the store said, if you let him do bad things, he will always do bad things. If you teach him right things and reward him for the right things, he will learn more right things. And so just like us, the more that we invest into doing bad things, the more bad things we're going to be doing. It is easy to continue to do bad things when you don't even try to do good things. When all you want to do is keep doing the wrong things in life, you will keep doing the wrong things in life. Whenever we miss a day of church to watch football, to work overtime, or whenever dove season starts and you want to be at the ranch and you want to be shooting birds or deer season, whatever it is, and you just just don't feel like coming because you you don't want to be here and you had the option to be here but you chose not to, that is you sowing into the flesh and giving into your comfort versus giving into the sacrifice of being here for your community for God. That's wrong. And the next week you're going to miss because it's easy because you missed the week before. And the week after that, you're going to miss again because, hey, I've been there in three weeks. Might as well make it four. I haven't been there in six weeks. Might as well make it a month. 
and more and more. I know. Wow. Hold up. Let me do the math on that one. That's going to be edited. When you see yourself sinful, and once you've sinned once, you think it's easy to go back and do it again. And you go back and do it again, and do it again, and you don't confess it, and you don't repent it. You're just like that dog that is just crapping on the floor and not learning his lesson. You're allowing yourself to slip into immoral relationships, sex before marriage, living together, drunkenness, addictions, pride. You're allowing yourself to fall into the love of money instead of the arms of Jesus. You're selfish and prideful. Those are things that you're sowing into your flesh. Those are the habits that are hard to break. If any of you understand addiction, it is hard to break addiction. And addiction comes in many different forms. It's hard. But if you f- invest into good habits, if you invest into the good things of God's community, you say, I'm going to strive to be a church. I'm going to strive to be a part of a missional city group even though I'm uncomfortable with it. I'm going to strive to be at the outreaches every Friday night. I'm going to strive to be, you know, meeting. I'm going to, if I have to meet at 4.30 in the morning so I can meet with my pastor or meet with someone from the church or wherever, I'm going to make that effort. I'm going to kill my flesh and sacrifice that you're investing into good habits. Then you will see a life that is really full of God's grace for you. You have everlasting life. When we sow into the spirit, we sow into others as well. Verse 10 says, so that we have the opportunity to let us do good for everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we take care of each other in community and around us so that here in the household of faith, everyone has what they need. We're together. We're united. We're striving forward. In 2012, Sarah and I planted this church. It was just a small missional community, and it was the idea that we would be built a, a foundation on biblical community. If you wanted to have a church that was not going to be like these other churches that was about the show and bringing people in and telling them about Jesus. No, we wanted to show them about Jesus the way we lived. And the idea of the church was that we would be a church of small groups that met throughout the city, throughout the week, and then on one day on Sunday we would gather corporately to worship together and then be scattered back out into the city so that we could be a church that is scattered and, and gathering other people and bringing them back and then going back out. We wanted to be a church that would reflect the scriptures, not only in Galatians 6, but also in other scriptures like Proverbs you know, you know, 58, and we were like, that's what we wanted. Isaiah 50, I'm sorry. We wanted to be a church that was clearly defined by family. A church that was clearly defined by believers living together, not in the same house, but living together in the communities, living on mission with one cause and and one reason, striving for the gospel. And we want all of you to be on that journey with us. Our vision and our mission are clear. We want to impact Corpus Christi so greatly with the love of Jesus Christ that the city as a whole sees change. And the way we're going to do that is living in biblical community. We will meet the physical and spiritual needs of the people of our great city. And I want to add something to that. We will meet the physical and spiritual needs of the people of this world. 
want you all to be a part of that. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have, just have to be willing to, to be sacrificial with your life a little bit. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable a little bit. You have to be willing to be open with your life a little bit. You got to be willing to let other people in and let other people lead you and guide you. You got to be willing to forgive others as well. This is what church is about. This is community, amen.